Hello all and welcome back. This is the third podcast of Off the Water brought to you by the National Guardian Body, ROA Scotland. We aim to bring a voice to Scottish boating community and bring together all aspects of getting afloat. Right, what's happening in this podcast? So we have got uh, a big interview with James Allen, CEO, RWA Scotland, and Howard Pridding, Director of External Affairs of the RWA, uh, and talking all things around uh, decision making and the back behind the scenes work that the RWA are doing. So we've been quite excited about that. Um, Nick and I are going to have a bit of conversation a little bit around Mental Health Week and what's been happening. And obviously there's been some announcements of uh, the Scottish Government's road map or route map coming up. So we're going to sort of discuss a little bit of that. Um, and really this time of year we'd be uh, starting to get back to events and things and we're just going to have a little bit of a look at, at some of the events that we would have been at. Um, so Nikki. I'm Nikki Stewart and I'm hosting alongside Jack Mitchell. Uh, just a little disclaimer out there, the views expressed in this podcast are of our own and of our guests. So if you've got any comments or complaints, uh, please email them to podcast rya.scotland.org.uk. So Nikki, what's been happening this week? So the Scottish Government launched their route map just yesterday at time of recording, uh, which is pretty exciting to to get to see that and uh, we can start moving forward with looking at getting out on the water. So what does that mean then for us? What are your thoughts based on the, the roadmap? Um, so it's not necessarily a real surprise. I think the Scottish Government have been fairly cautious in their approach and um, this kind of map follows that cautious approach. I guess personally, uh, unfortunately in phase one, I can't get down to my boat because it's too far for us to travel at the moment. But it does mean I can go paddleboarding along the canal. So I'm quite pleased about that. The roadmap is it does highlight, you know, the process we're going to go through. And that's I think that's pretty important at this stage. You know, I think we've all been waiting for that sort of visual on, on, on how we're going to get there. It's really useful to get a better idea. So that's going to help us plan. It's going to help all our members and our clubs and our training centres and start getting an idea of what they can do to when restrictions are getting eased. So it's a, it gives us a lot, it's a lot clearer kind of pathway through this. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's pretty pretty critical, isn't it? I think one of the other things to hopefully help out with that clear understanding is we've got a bit of a, an exciting interview with James Allen and uh, Howard Pridding, and they've been right at the heart of some of the decision-making processes that's happened. So that's quite exciting coming up and, and, and we're looking forward to hear, hearing what they say. And I suppose to, to sort of continue on with that sort of government advice really is is the looking to be considerate of others and conservative of risk when we when we're out and about doing our activities and, and exercise. Uh, this week it's Mental Health Week. Yes, um, Luke Patience has uh, produced a few wee videos whilst he's up in Tyree just talking about mental health, talking about how important it is. Yeah, certainly quite, uh, his message is quite really important, actually, something that I've related to quite a lot with, which is physical exercise can get over some of the barriers and the hurdles to to mental health. And, and you know, that's something something I'm finding personally at the moment, uh, you know, with working from home and and uh, and distant from a lot of people that are actually physical exercise is the, is the key to keeping it all right at the moment. I think for me, even being beside the water is really important for my mental health. Yeah, me too. Quite lucky of where I'm, uh, I'm staying at the moment and being by the water. So mental health uh, is something that we're going to pick up uh, a bit more in, in the next episode. And we're going to kind of bring a few key people on board and really just sort of dive into the discussion uh, of, of mental health a bit more and, and really what physical activity and, and sport can do to, to challenge that.
Some of the other bits and pieces we've been up to this week has been uh, spending quite a bit of time on virtual regatta. And we've had the Scottish final for the RYA Spring Club Championships and also the RYA Scotland Women's VR Championships too. And Jack, you've been heavily involved in both these events uh, as, our, as our wonderful commentator alongside uh, Robin Nicholl. How have you found the commentating? <laughs> uh, I think I've been a little bit stitched uh, doing this commentating, uh, but it was an idea and uh, we just rolled with it and rolling of it turned, went from uh, a small bit of how are people getting on to uh, a bit more fun. I, I got to say, I did enjoy it. It was good fun and uh, yeah, good crack, bit of banter between it all. And uh, but more importantly, you know, we had some really good feedback of the whole event, uh, whole events, both both the regional final and the uh, women's championship. You know, it was, it was it was good fun to to run. We had some amazing stories out there around um, uh, some team families getting involved in the women's championship, mother and daughter against each other in the same house. It was it was a good fun event, and I think we all all enjoyed running it. Yeah, it was really great to hear lots of different people uh, people's stories, and also bringing lots of people together that wouldn't normally sail together as well. Uh, super engaging and we've had some great feedback from it all. Okay, so coming up next is uh, an interview that we've had with James Allen, CEO of Arway Scotland, and Howard Pridding, the external Director of External uh, Affairs for the RWA. And really, we're going to uh, explore the sort of background work that's been happening with the organisations and some of the decision-making processes uh, with uh, these two. We are pleased and excited to have both James Allen and Harry Pridding on the podcast this week. Thank you very much, both of you, for coming along. Um, could you please introduce yourself? Hi, everybody. I'm James Allen. I'm the Chief Executive Officer at RWA Scotland, and I have the good fortune to lead the team that delivers all the activities for the RWA in Scotland. I'm a passionate windsurfer. That's been my thing for many, many years, but I'm also quite big into cruising the West Coast in a yacht. Thoroughly enjoy that. And I'm Howard Pridding. I'm Director of External Affairs for the RWA. Uh, based on the handball, uh, I manage a team of 16 down there who provide a range of services to our personal members and our affiliates. I'm not someone who does go sailing every weekend, but I've worked uh, in recreational boating for 30 years prior to joining the RWA. I worked for British Marine, the Trade Association, so I've been talking to government about boats for nearly 30 years now. So, so we're going to dive straight into the, the questions. So what has been happening in the background to represent the interests of the boating community? Well, since the start of the crisis, the RYA has been speaking to government to understand the situation as it develops. Uh, we've also been talking to, to politicians and government ministers. And really, I think over the weeks, the crisis has changed. At the very start, when we saw clubs closing and, and activities stopping, it was very much about understanding the business support that government was providing. And then we saw issues when um, marinas were closed, um, about people being concerned about access. In recent weeks, it's been about all about the restart of boating, being prepared for that as and when it can happen. Okay, and what's been sort of the differences in the home countries, James? Yeah, well, Jack, I think some of the things that are really important, just as things evolved, was first and foremost that we were there to um, make sure the organisation was in a good place to continue. And then that evolved into making sure that the advice that we had was there to support clubs across the UK and across Scotland, acknowledging the, the support streams coming from government that could be utilised, uh, but also how to actually get clubs ready 
for potentially a long time in lockdown, how to organize the finances and in effect hibernate for a while and take it forward once we're ready to come back to voting. And now we're in the position where uh, advice in England is very relevant to getting back on the water and we'll be looking at how we use that across Scotland. I think it's important to understand that, that we have taken a coordinated approach. Um, we, as a senior management team, we've met every Monday and James has been part of that conference call we've, we've had, as have the other CEOs from, from Wales and Northern Ireland. And at the outset, we, we set a number of guiding principles that would shape the approach that we took. And I think the first thing to remember is that, that, that our first principle is that we will always and only follow government advice. And obviously, I think one of the issues is that that government advice has varied uh, around uh, the, the four different nations. Okay, uh, thank you very much for that. I'm keen, I'm keen to maybe see if you could share a little bit around some of your decision-making or, or the RWA's decision-making processes. Yeah, um, we have every Monday um, met as a senior management team. Um, we've also had a, a crisis management team that has um, additional colleagues uh, dependent on their res responsibilities. And the approach we've had to, I mean, we, we, we set some guiding principles. Uh, the first is about following government advice. But it's also about us having to play a leadership role on behalf of our personal members and our affiliates. Uh, one of those imp most important principles was that we would keep calm and advise all those in the RWA community uh, to keep calm. But we've also had to look at each situation individually as it's developed um, to understand the situation, what it means and what it might mean differently in England, Scotland, Northern Ireland and Wales. So, yeah, I think we've, more than anything, we've, we've coordinated. Um, I think it's important to remember that, that James and myself uh, and our, our teams do have a close working relationship on issues um, before the crisis. And I think since the crisis has developed, that working relationship has been even closer. And I think, Jack, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's important to emphasise that it's not just at senior management team level that we've been really coordinated. All our colleagues who work across club development and performance and even the comms teams have been really connected to their colleagues and keeping in touch at that very operational level as to what things look like that are coming from the guys doing some really hard work down south and how we might utilise those opportunities in Scotland once we're looking at getting back to voting. There's been some real quick evolution of the thinking in Ireland, which has translated to Northern Ireland, and everybody's keeping an eye on that to see how that goes, because that may well be a model that applies to Scotland when the time comes too. Given the very staged return to activities that other countries are taking, were the RYA surprised that restrictions were lifted so quickly for so many people at the same time? From the outset of the crisis, in all that we've said to government, um, we've said that when the time came that sailing, boating was one of the first things that could be restarted um, when that time was right with the appropriate mitigation measures in place. So. We actually started on a return to boating strategy uh, as a senior management team across all our departments two or three weeks ago. So I wouldn't say we were surprised. We were delighted, actually, when uh, the Prime Minister announced that there would be some restrictions uh, in the UK. And um, yeah, we uh, that announcement was made on a Sunday. Uh, boating was due to restart on uh, the following Wednesday. It was pretty frantic. And I think you know, there are lessons that we've learned from what's happened in England will benefit uh, the resumption of boating in Scotland and the other countries when that time comes. Yep, and um, for those of us north of the border, we've been very involved 
in the processes uh, that our colleagues have been activating down south. So I've been part of the senior management team meeting every Monday, and that's kept us very well informed and enabling us just to take all of that information and transform it to a Scottish flavour, if you like, but make sure that Scottish clubs and members stay informed as much as the rest of the UK. Why is boating, or why do we think boating uh, is important to get back to? I guess, you know, whatever your passion is, whether it's golf, um, tennis or sailing, we all want to get back to, to, to what we want to do. And it's, it's about people's well-being and mental health. You know, I've been amazed by the amount of members who've contacted us, really pushing for us to get government to understand that. And, you know, it, with the mitigation measures, we've provided guidance to our, to our clubs about the health and safety, the COVID security that's needed to get people on the water. And, you know, it can be done now. And it's very much about the messaging, the safety messaging to our members about taking a, a careful and cautious approach from the start. But um, it, it can be done and people are out on the water safely in England at the moment. Yeah, absolutely agree with Howard there. There's a lot to be said for the, the health and wellbeing benefits. Uh, so we've, we've got a lot of available activity within that broad church of boating. And we need to remember that that covers an entire age range of individuals who will be looking for that, that release to get back out and take part in a passion. I think also it's important to note that in Scotland and the rest of the UK, boating is an important industry. And there's an aspect of the partnerships that we work with who are keen to see us back out in their boats because we are supporting their jobs. The marine tourism sector in Scotland is a, is a major contributor to the economies of some remote and rural uh, coastal uh, communities. And while it might be a while before we're looking at coastal cruising being properly back on the menu, there's some real concerns about the virus reaching the islands where it's really not been prevalent at all. In time, we'll need to look at how that could be done safely and responsibly and help those economies get back on their feet. So there's a, a broad range of benefits from boating being an opportunity that's looked at for an early restart. I think James makes some really important points as well about the strategic partners that we've worked with uh, in the industry, uh, British Marine, uh, the Yacht Harbour Association, um, but also the ports and harbours sector. And, you know, dialogue with those bodies as we look to restart is really important. And none more with the RNLI. Over recent weeks, as, we, as we've been looking to restart in England, uh, we've had some good conversations with the RNLI who are looking just to get that safety messaging out to people who are now going afloat so that we're not putting uh, undue pressure on the RNLI, the Coast Guard and, and other emergency services. Great, thank you. Uh, James, what work has our way Scotland been doing to inform the Scottish Government about getting people back out on the water? Some of the things that we've been doing is working with colleagues in Sport Scotland to prepare a common voice for sport so that the government understands that sport as a collective has a, a great deal to offer around that physical exercise option. Yes, there are some sports that, that are more difficult to put in place and some that are gonna have to wait their turn. But we've been quite clear from the outset that boating as an individual activity can be done. Boating as a family group can certainly happen. And once we know what the restrictions easement looks like, we can build within that. So we've really been making sure that uh, the Scottish government is aware of and begins to understand the breadth of boating activity. It's not just yachts and marinas, which enjoying boating from a club that doesn't need to be open, they just need access to the water. There are options for motor boating individually, and all of those can be done cautiously and safely. So we've been making that representation. 
um, just to make sure that Scottish government understands that voting is a safe activity, it is a low risk activity, and that the community will respond to the option to go float or the opportunity to do that responsibly. We're not going to go out and take unnecessary risks because that's built into our DNA as voters. It's part and parcel of our way training is to stay within your limits, have your plan and stick to it, and always have a backup plan to that. that that's normal for going afloat. So making sure that that's understood, but also working with partners to make sure that the government understands the breadth of voting activity across industry. So as Howard has said, we've been working with British Marine Scotland, We've been working with Sales Scotland, who represent a good number of members in the charter boat industry, to get the message through different avenues. So it's not just about us as a sport, it's about us as part of an industry and boating as part of the tourism economy. So there's three different strands that we've been following, if you like, and working hard to get government to understand that boating is a key aspect of many different parts of, of life in Scotland. I think there is an important message that, that, that James alludes to there uh, that, that we, we must get members to understand. And that is that we are, we are starting boating again in England. I hope it will happen in Scotland soon in quite a small way. It's about individuals getting on the water. It's about families. And if you can to do it with one person from another household, if you can socially distance. But we really must stick by the rules. Um, so, for example, we are talking about it being a day activity, a day visit activity. There's no staying on boats uh, in England. Uh, and people have to stick to those rules. We shouldn't be pushing the boundaries. Uh, we can get back on the water, enjoy those freedoms, and you know, things will develop. You know, organised racing is a non-starter at the moment. So I do want members to understand you know, that we've, it's a great game we've got in, in getting back on the water in some, some shape or form. But we can't push the boundaries at the moment. Uh, as I said at the outset here, our guiding principle is that we will always stick to government advice, whether that's advice uh, from Westminster or from the Scottish government, we must make sure we stick to that advice. Um, so, so we know that there, that obviously England is, is in different situation to us at the moment in terms of restrictions being lifted. What has been the challenges then with that between our way and potentially our way Scotland and the different um, uh, advices coming across the UK? I think, Jack, that um, the challenge has been communal. There's been no difference in the challenge for colleagues in our way and our way Scotland. We've been very much on the same page, but more recently, obviously, with uh, the different guidance coming out from UK government and Scottish government, that's, that's led us to look at how we use our guiding principles in slightly different ways. Uh, in, in Scotland, we'll be using the guidance from the our way that's currently working its way around England and being put to good use, and we will model our response to the, the forthcoming Scottish Government, we have to recognise that, that, that boating operates in its own way across the UK, but that's a very similar way. And what we're looking at is making sure that we can operate within the guidelines in the way that we would normally. And that might mean some aspects of boating can't happen. As Howard said, it's very unlikely we'll be allowed to stay overnight on our boats anywhere. Right? Not that anywhere in Scotland is likely to be open at the time to stay in. So we will, we will work within that framework and make it applicable for Scotland. That, that's where the challenge lies, is that we need to work very quickly. But we're, we're in a good place. We've got a great base to start from, and we'll, we'll be getting that advice and guidance out to clubs just as fast as we can. I think this is one area where the RWA structure has really benefited us, because um, James and the chief execs from the other home countries have, have been an integral part of our weekly senior managers' meetings, all the planning that we've done with the solutions to the problem, the challenges are the same nationwide. 
uh, whether it was the immediate close down of our club activity, uh, the situation with the closure of marinas or restart. So we can work on the, the commonality of the, the challenges and the issues, but because we have RWA Scotland, RWA Wales and RWA Northern Ireland, we have that local knowledge. We have that understanding of how the different governments work and how the representations need to be made. So I think our, our structure has been a real benefit, uh, really, in, in managing the crisis. Partnerships have been really important for us throughout the crisis from the start. So, for example, when we were trying to work out what business support um, from government our clubs could benefit from, we worked very closely with other national governing bodies for sport. So, for example, rugby has a very similar club structure to us, as does tennis. So we've had weekly conference calls with those other national governing bodies and the Sport and Recreation Alliance, which is a little bit about NGB's trade association. Great, thank you. And I know in Scotland, we've been talking to a lot of the other governing bodies as well, both um, as staff team, and I know James has been having regular conversations with sports and Sports Scotland quite a lot. And there's an important point from Howard in there. While we've been working very hard to represent the interests of our members, we're actually working on behalf of voting. And even for those folk who may not be members of the RWA, they will definitely benefit from the efforts of the RWA across the whole of the UK. So what does the next six months look like for both RYA and RYA Scotland? Well, I hope it'll be a bit more relaxed in the last few weeks, uh, uh, personally. Um, but yeah, we don't know what's coming, do we? Um, we talk about the new normal. We've got to work out what that new normal will be. But I think we're all pretty sure um, that it's not going to be the same as it was. You know, we've resumed voting in a very small way at the moment in England. It's about individuals getting out on the water, families getting out on the water, maybe an individual with someone from a different household if you can uh, totally distance. So, you know, there's a long way to go yet. Government talks about baby steps and we've made our baby steps into the water. So, yes, the next six months you know, we'll be thinking about when we can start doing some maybe organise competitive racing, or, you know, what are the next steps that we take uh, is what we'll be thinking about over the coming months. For those of in Scotland, uh, next six months, certainly the, the immediate future, we'll be looking at what the, the roadmap from the Scottish Government looks like and how that influences how we look at getting back on the water and when that can happen for us. I absolutely hope that in six months' time, we'll see boating in Scotland happening again in some form. We're pretty confident of that happening. I think we've got a good case for being on the water fairly soon. And I'd like to think that the good weather we've had through April and into May continues because we've, we've missed one of the best early spring seasons that I can remember. So yeah, we're looking forward to getting back in the water and enjoying some good weather. Brilliant. And, and along with that, you're doing a lot, uh, uh, a lot to engage our members and organisations at the moment to try and get back out in the water as soon as we can. So I suppose, um, how can our members and affiliate organisations raise their thoughts, raise their concerns, get in contact with us? Well, I've been amazed by the, the number of people who have contacted us throughout this crisis. Um, we do have people uh, at the RYA who can provide advice. Our cruising team, our legal um, advisors are doing a lot with our clubs who are trying to understand the developing situation and what that means legally. So my message is, please continue to, to get in touch with us. We are here to help. Uh, we're a membership organisation who's here for its members. So please do continue to cause and we'll do our best to provide you with sound advice. And in Scotland, if you're looking for that little bit of tartan paint on the information, then contact us directly. All of our details are on the RYA Scotland website and all of our email addresses are there. 
I've had a number of great emails from folk who've been very understanding of, of the situation, all looking forward to getting back in the water. And some of those have got some great ideas as to how clubs can approach that very sensibly. So we've taken all of that on board uh, and it's been great to hear from members directly. Some folk very frustrated and, and I'm one of those. I'm really looking forward to getting back in the water. But I think for the time being, get in touch. Let us know where you're at, how it looks for you. If you're looking for advice, as Howard has said, there's some great advice available from the team uh, at the RWA down south. There's some advice available to clubs from the team in Scotland directly. It's just a case of getting on the websites, finding the details and get in touch. Yeah, thanks, uh, uh, James and Howard. So we're kind of coming to the end of our interview, really. And, and uh, we have to say uh, uh, thank you very much for your time and, and answering our questions. But I suppose I want to finish uh, with just one question, really. Um, uh, and that is, what are the hopes for the future? Quite simply, I, I hope that people can get back on the water. Uh, it's what our members want to do. It's their passion. And it really is good for everyone's well-being and mental health. So my hope is that we will see a resumption of boating initially in Scotland, uh, but across the country, the nation, uh, that we increasingly get back to some form of normality in the sport. Can't really say it better than Howard. I guess my hope is that, that everyone gets back to the boating, is able to follow that passion as best they can, and that we, we all get to enjoy being on the water together again very soon. Thanks, Jane and Howard. It was great to catch up with Howard and James about the work that they've been doing with our partners to represent our members, clubs and training centres. And I suppose one of the important messages that I picked up from it was around uh, safety and doing what is appropriate as per government advice. I suppose, uh, you know, Nikki, what's, you know, what's your reflections over the last uh, couple of weeks really been? I think there's a real desire to be able to get back out on the water and to deliver training. But everyone's really mindful about doing it safely, making sure that they keep themselves, their instructors, their staff, as well as the customers or members uh, safe while delivering something. And I think with the, the current uh, guidance on social distancing, that makes it very difficult within a training environment to maintain social distancing at all times. So until that there's maybe some changes within that, um, training is very, very difficult to do, uh, potentially or particularly from a commercial point of view to be able to make it cost effective to actually deliver the training. Some centres at the moment have been talking about reducing ratios and that just makes it a lot more expensive to, to, to run the training. Um, so I guess this is something, a time for our training centres to think a little bit more uh, creatively, a little differently with um, what's going on. One of the interesting things that has been coming out quite a lot from the outdoor industry and as a whole, I guess, is the link with ed education and potentially uh, opening up training centres or outdoor education centres as an opportunity for um, schools. It will help uh, increase the capacity for in terms of space, but also um, teaching capability and, and bring the outdoors to a lot of the school kids. It's been unfortunate that a lot of schools and a lot of kids within the schools have missed out on outdoor activity weeks or going off and doing that kind of a lot of the primary sixes and sevens do a, a final week before they go up to the high school um, at an outdoor centre. And a lot of them have missed out on that opportunity this year. So perhaps there's some uh, relationship that could be built between schools and outdoor centres to be able to bring that in a little bit more just thinking a little differently about how that's delivered 
unlikely to be residential, but it could be something um, maybe go and do an afternoon. And that just helps helps the teachers, gives them the opportunity to learn in the outdoors. No, 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 Nikki, I'm completely with you. I think I think for our training centres, I think it's really, really is quite difficult right now because it is still uh, in a, a bit uncertain and a bit unknown. I think, you know, we're asking them to plan and, and think uh, sort of outside the box, but actually knowing when the, the sort of back to normal and they can deliver back to what they were expecting to deliver, I think that's going that's the... That's the still the sticking point, really. And I think there's sort of two things, my reflections on the training centre clubs fit into this this as well, is that firstly, I think it's about being creative and thinking outside the box. And as you mentioned, what else can we do? What How can we diversify that will help this situation? And I think that link to education is really, really quite key. How can we support some other challenges that are happening, but at the same time, use the outdoors as a benefit, as we know it is a benefit. Uh, the other part of that then is... is is if we can do that first one, that means we might be able to, might, our training centres might be able to survive for the new normal, for the, the moment when we can get back to, to what normal is, whether that's, you know, working properly with social distancing and that's, that's, that's going to be here for a while or, or, you know, being ready to go back all steams running when, when we kind of get over this pandemic. Yeah, I think one of the things I'm definitely worried about the instructor numbers because we're going to be losing instructors at the moment. They'll be having to look for new work or other jobs. Um, and also there's a lot of instructors that are missing out on training to become instructors. We've not had any we've not had very many instructor courses this year at all. I think we managed to get a couple in um, before March, but actually we're missing out on a huge number of instructors coming up through the system and being trained. Well, it's very early days at the moment, um, but myself and Jane Campbell-Morrison and David Frame, who deliver the senior instructor training in Scotland, have been working on creating a series of different webinars to try and support that senior instructor development within our clubs and training centres. So we're, we're going to kick off the first session on mentoring, um, because this is a really important topic to try and keep that support going within the environment. And that, that mentoring is, I guess it's both that skill development, but that that support to help them stay connected um, with the club and the training centre, but also or to that individual doing the mentoring, um, and making sure that they they feel part of it, and that's a really key part of um, being able to retain your instructors. Instructors are absolutely right. If we haven't got them, then we can't run our training centres. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, it's a similar sort of question with our with our clubs. Uh, in coming back in, in trying to have that workforce in place, whether that's volunteers or paid instructors or paid people running the clubs, having that workforce to, to deliver. Uh, and I suppose one of the common questions that we're having now is is around safety boat driving, is around how do we operate our clubs? How does that people interaction happen uh, within our clubs? Obviously, there's the guidance coming out from, from RA Scotland, the ROA around what does that look like? Um, but it is the common question coming back is, is, is how do we operate during this time? Uh, the final thing to maybe reflect on is, is something that we're really passionate and keen on really is, is trying to connect with as many people as possible. And I know, Nikki, you're running uh, or leading some of uh, some RTC calls. Is that right? Yeah, we've got a series of RTC calls, which will be uh, running the, the week that this podcast just comes out. The best thing to do is keep an eye on our social media and that will let you know what opportunities are coming up. But the training centre calls, we've decided to make them discipline specific and that will just um, kind of tailor that information to the group there. We've got um, a few sessions as well coming up, don't you? 
Yeah, every every Wednesday we run two Connect sessions, four o'clock uh, and a seven o'clock session. Um, and really, they're just there for people to, to to connect in with other clubs, with us, ask some questions, uh, and then every now every now and then, when there's sort of a, a key topic to discuss, we'll we'll just make it around sort of that topic. So we just urge members, clubs, training centres, everyone, just to, to use those sessions to connect in, because uh, we really want to, to sort of sort of hear from you. Really, it's really important for us. Okay, we would have been enjoying some of the Scottish big events at the moment from the Scottish Island Peaks race last weekend to discover sailing events all across the country. Um, but as you know, that they're, they're not underway for, for obvious reasons. Um, in our events that would have been section, Nikki has been catching up uh, with Frida Forbes, a volunteer with the Scottish series, as they look back at the previous events to encourage supporters and participants to share some of their Scottish series stories online. We're joined here uh, by Frida Forbes um, to talk about Scottish series, which is at time of recording meant to be going on this weekend. So Frida, can you tell us a bit about your role within Scottish series? Well, for the last few years, I've been part of the event organising team. Um, we have a team of 60 or 70 helpers who are, are involved in creating the event, making it happen. In the past, I've been a competitor. Um, and now I'm a volunteer helper. Uh, can you tell us a bit more about Scottish Series? Yeah, Scottish Series is one of the main annual sailing events for Keelboat in, in Scotland. It takes place over the last bank holiday weekend in May, and it's now in its 45th year. In the past few years, we've attracted fleets of more than 100 boats. So when you look at all the crews, the supporters and the helpers um, who congregate, in and around the village of Tarbert for the event. We lay on very intensive racing for handicap and one design fleets over the four day period. Um, and it's a hugely enjoyable event for all involved, whatever their role. And despite the vagaries of our Scottish weather, we've had some splendid weekends. Yep, I think the last few years we've had a lot of sunshine, um, which has been really nice. And I've taken part uh, yeah, the last few years in the White Sail class, and it's been really, really enjoyable uh, and a great fun event. It's a shame uh, to be missing out on it this year, but what do you guys have planned instead? Well, over the, the weekend, we're, we're um, marking the event with um, four days of a sort of look back, look forward at Scottish Seas theme that we're putting out on our social media channels. Um, we're encouraging everyone who has been or who would have been involved this weekend to join in and engage with us, um, share some fun on social media, share their stories, show their interesting photographs. We don't want to let the event slip away um, unmarked, so we're encouraging everybody to reminisce and have some fun over the weekend, maybe have the odd Zoom pontoon party or <laughs> just have some fun. So talking about reminiscing, what's your first memory of Scottish series? Uh, now you're asking, that's going to be feeling. <laughs> the very first one I remember was, um, it was in 1981, um, and that was when there used to be an overnight race as part of the series, um, and the first stop was in Campbelltown, and it was my very first ever overnight race, so it was a bit daunting, 
and it wasn't very nice weather, very wet, cold, windy. And I, I just, I will never forget crossing the finish line um, nearing Campbelltown and just thinking, oh, I'm exhausted, I'm tired, I'm cold, I'm hungry. And then I turned around and looked at my husband on the helm and it was a Sonata we were sailing at the time. Um, and I realised that he'd been helming for 15 hours at least without a break, pretty much. I, I, I won't ever forget just that vision of him. But now I look back on it and I think it was an absolutely fabulous race, one of the best races ever, overnight, <laughs> despite the cold. Yeah, it's always easier to look back and remember the good times than at the time you're oh, it's cold and wet and miserable. Um, but it was always really, really good fun. Absolutely. <laughs> Who knows, maybe the overnight race will make its way back into Scottish series programme at some stage. Interesting question. I think one that we maybe should ask our competitors. Some people yes. like them. Some people are very against them, but they're certainly character building. I think my first memory of Scottish series would be going to visit my dad when while he was racing in the Sigma 33 fleet. My mum would take myself, my brothers, my sister up to go and visit him, which was great. And I think as well as seeing the boats in the harbour, which we enjoyed seeing, it was always meant a trip to Shelby and a trip to the fish and chip shop, which we always really enjoyed. I think the people of Tarbert will be missing us this year, so we're, we're hoping they'll engage a bit and... You know, we can share some of our past memories with them and yeah. we'll, see, we'll see them next year. Yeah, so talking about next year, it's important to um, look forward, especially in times like, like this at the moment. And I see the dates for 2021 are already out. Um, can you let us know what they are? Yes, yes. Next year's dates are the 28th to the 31st of May. Our, our planning is actually really already well underway. So over this weekend of the 2020 non-event, um, we will tell people what's, we'll share some information about what's new that we're planning and what's returning, things that people enjoy. And we'll be asking people maybe what else they would like to see there as well. So we want to give everybody a chance to put the dates in their diary, give them something to look forward to for next year. Perfect. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm hoping that I'll be out in the water for 2021 as well and come and join the racing. I'm um, really looking forward to it. And thank you for coming along and having a chat with us. Thank you. Home time. Thank you very much for listening to our podcast, Off the Water. We really look forward to having discussions with you about the roadmap and the guidance in the future. We're recording this podcast during Mental Health Week and our next podcast will focus on mental health and the benefits of both physical activity and for many of us, what's being afloat does for our mental health. We welcome your feedback and ideas for future off the water episodes. Please do share this through your club, centre or with your friends and get in touch with your thoughts for future content. Remember to keep a note of our website and watching across our social media channels where all the latest news and updates are available to keep us ready to get back out on the water safely and successfully in the future.